Think big. Think positive. Never show any sign of weakness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. Nothing you have ever experienced can prepare you for the unbridled carnage you're about to witness. Right. Super Bowl, the World Series, they don't know what pressure is. In this building, it's either kill or be killed. You make no friends in the pits and you take no prisoners. One minute, you're up half a million in soybeans, and the next, boom. Your kids don't go to college and they've repossessed your Bentley. Are you with me? Hello and welcome to... Stone X podcast on grain and oil seeds with Craig Turner. I am a broker here at Stone X. I specialize in grain and oil seeds. If you have any questions for me, you can contact me at 312-706-7610 or email craig.turner at stonex.com. Also, all my information is in the show notes of this podcast. So if you're listening to this on to uh, any kind of app, just go check it out. If it's through the StoneX website, it should be on the homepage there, and I'd uh, love to hear from you. If you're a client and you hear something that you like, or anything you read in the, the client emails, right? Uh, please contact me, um, and we can we can go on over that. Uh, if you like the podcast, give us a positive review on iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever uh, you get the podcast from. We always appreciate that. And um, yeah, and if you, you can go to um, also Craig what is it? Stonex.com slash Craig Turner. And that will redirect you to the Stonex webpage where you can actually get the free weekly newsletter that, uh, that goes along with this podcast. Um, you know, for the, the daily newsletters, uh, with, uh, so, you know, a little bit more, um, or definitely a lot more insight and some views on the market. We get more granular in terms of direction and prices and positions. Um, you can also take a look at, uh, take a look at those too. All right. So let's, uh, let's get into it here. Um, I'm going to talk macro economy first, then we'll dive into the WASDI stock markets at an all time high. And this is in the face of China having some pretty big problems. It's interesting. So I, I got a couple of thoughts here. One, I've been concerned about the Chinese economy and its drag on commodities and just having the, the lower demand out there. I think the, uh, I think the macro economy is worried about that too. It's one of the reasons why most likely crude stays in the 70 to 80 range. Like it's hard to break out of 80. It's hard to have soybeans, you know, find some support here just because demand is, you know, is tricky, but money has to go somewhere and money will go into the next best option. And we've seen it go into precious metals. We've seen money going into uh, fixed income, but we're seeing money going into the stock market. And if there's going to be an index that you're looking to put, if you're a big money fund and you're looking for an index uh, in, you know, in this environment, I think, I think you're looking at the E-mini S&P. It's 500 of the largest U.S. companies, which were really multinational companies. They're probably you know, maybe registered here in the United States, but they operate through all over the world, um, which kind of helps uh, diversify their earnings. And always remember this about the stock market, which is why I like, by the way, you know, like, oh, it's a commodities broker talking about the stock market. If there is excess capital in an account and we like the stock market, uh, I like the micro E-mini S&P. You know, when the S&P is trading at 5,000, that means it's 25,000 of, uh, of the actual shares. It's a multiplier of five. 
So, I mean, if you have a 50,000 account, you know, or whatever, 10 or 100, whatever it may be, a million, um, I don't know. I mean, it's like, you know, the margins, $1,000 in the micro e-mini S&P, it's worth about $25,000 of the stock. Like, you don't get paid on the dividend on it, right, because it's not the physical shares. But, you know, when you're in a trending market, it's an interesting way to kind of, I don't know, I've always kind of liked it as a little bit of a small position in an account for the for the cash in the account it's it's interesting it's something if you have any questions about it let me know and this is why i like the and by the way you don't have to be leveraged 25 to 1 right margin isn't the recommended leverage right margin is just what the definition in my mind of what margin really is is what the exchange wants to see in your account as a bare minimum before you go on margin call right that's not a long-term strategy in terms of how much money you should account for a position in any position whether it be stocks or futures or options, right? So there's a difference between margin and leverage. Uh, and the traders that understand the leverage can part of it and not don't rely so much on the margin requirements, in my experience, fare a lot better. But, uh, okay, that's neither here nor there. Here's the thing I like about the S&P. Money has to flow somewhere. And right now it's not flowing into commodities and it's probably coming out of the Chinese stock market. And, you know, there's, it's got to go somewhere. And I think, remember this about the S&P, even the economy is just chugging along. The S&P 500 is 500 of the top management teams here in the United States. And their mission is to try to run a profitable business in good times and bad. So in good times, they're, you know, they're expanding and, you know, they're growing and you know, they're pedal to the metal. And in tough times, they make cuts or they focus their attention on kind of their bread and butter not do so much R&D, right? When things get really bad, they have to make, you know, human resource cuts, right? Which is always the, the worst part of that cycle. But they have to do something in order to be to be profitable, right? So the S&P 500 can actually outperform the economy because of that. Um, and I think that's why the money goes in there. Also, to remember, every month, retirement funds, 401ks, pensions, money comes in, right? And... The big thing with the stock market is it has a, if you take a look at the short interest in the stock market, it's historically around 15%. Uh, when you take a look at the short, when you take a look at commodities, like futures market and any kind of option, for every long, there's a short. You can't have a corn contract, a long con corn contract without having a short one, someone to sell you. Same thing with any kind of put or call. You know, that's the kind of the definition of the open interest, right? But the stock market's a secondary market, uh, and which means you know, the primary market in the stock market is the IPO, you know, from private ownership to the IPO. Once the IPO happened, it's trading in the stock market. We're now entering the secondary market, which means you can pretty much be long only if you want to. To be short, you got to go out there, borrow the shares, and then sell them. And historically, there's about a 15% you know, short interest. So the stock market by nature is kind of an 85% long only, right? 15% short market, which is very different than the futures and commodities. Um, so anyways, if you have an account with me and you want a little help, just kind of, you know, with a uh, little bit extra money here, uh, if you got cash lying around and you want to try to take advantage of that, you know, we can talk about it. I, there are reasons why I like uh, the S&P here. Um, and I think it's an interesting... An interesting way to uh, to play things, but 
feel free to call me um, or uh, or contact me. Uh, clients should have my cell too, so you should text. All right, so let's, um, okay, that's enough of that. So one thing I wanna talk about on the WASD is like, even though it was a kind of, it wasn't any big, there wasn't any kind of big revelations in the WASD report. By the way, yesterday we had three reports come out, CONAB, Stats Canada, and the WASD all on the same day. No major surprises out of any of them, right? So, you know, earlier in the morning we had CONAB, they reduced their uh, soybeans from, I want to say to 149 and change, and they were, uh, I want to say around 154, 155. The USDA only went from 157 to 156, but you got to remember, USDA is watching CONAB to make their revisions lower, and the USDA isn't going to front run CONAB, right? Brazil and CONAB, they're the, sorry about that, just had to take a call trying to do this podcast uh, before the pre-open, but, you know, CONAB, uh, listen, they'll, they are the experts, they are the authority on what Brazil is going to have in terms of uh, soybeans and corn. USDA is not going to front run them. They'll see that number come out. They'll make their adjustments next month. That's just the nature of the beast and how this usually tends to go. So if CONAB is now at 149 on beans, and I think they took down corn a little bit, uh, you know, then the USDA likely follows that up in March and kind of, you know, goes down along with um, with South America, probably down to like 150 or 151, something like that. What's interesting is, okay, so that happened on the CONAB side. Stats Canada, uh, it's important to watch that report. They are very one spring wheat, right? They plant over 20 million acres of spring wheat up there, which is the Minneapolis. In the United States, we only do about 10 or 11. Canada does, does double, right? So for that high protein wheat, very important. Uh, also for canola, they do about 20 million acres of canola too. And this is all in the Western prairies here from let's say Manitoba, uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta, right? Or if you wanna think about it in hockey terms from Winnipeg uh, in, you know, all the way out to uh, Calgary and Edmonton like that, that area is, right? So the, um, they're doing canola, which is big deal too. You got to keep an eye on the canola market because of soybeans and renewable biodiesel, canola oil, soybean oil, canola meal, which is a big favorite on the dairy side. Um, you know, not everyone knows this, but if you're running a dairy operation, usually canola meal is favored. Uh, the animals will tend to eat that more while uh, maybe even overeat as opposed to meal where the, you know, the taste of the meal, I guess, isn't as sweet or something about it where uh, maybe the dairy the cattle don't put on as much weight as uh, they'd prefer. But anyways, so it's still, it's a big deal. And with the renewable biofuel uh, mandates and all the crush capacity that's being built, not here, it's here in the United States, that's been a big story, especially in the American press. But it is a big story in Canada too, Western Canada of the crush plants going in for canola because you can use canola oil or soybean oil for renewable biofuels. Uh, renewable biodiesel, aviation fuel, um, sustainable aviation fuel. So it's important. So Stats Canada came out, no big surprises there, um, but uh, wheat stocks were down. They confirmed wheat stocks down, uh, I wanna say about 10, 10% year over year. So that was significant. That was expected, but they confirmed it and canola stayed around the same. Big move. There was also, I mean, we had a big drop in oats 
stocks year over year. I want to say it was like 40%. Again, you had the you had the drought from 21, and then you know oats went sky high, trading over corn for a while. Then we had uh, we had the oat market, a ton of acres went in there, and then we completely oversupplied and flooded the market. We came back down. Last year, oat mark oat acres didn't come in. And here we are, kind of trying to find an equilibrium. Um, so that'll be interesting. If you're going to trade oats, it's a small market. So just be careful about that. But it does look like $4 is going to be a very strong resistance level for oats. And with all the acres expected to come back, it's most likely a seller's market. Uh, with Speaking of small markets, rice, kind of the opposite here. Uh, the report yesterday was kind of, I don't know, no big shockers here, but um, if you've been talking to me or following a little bit on the newsletter here, the rice market is, uh, personally, we, we think the, the demand is going to really kind of pick up here. Um, just looking at world prices, what's available, that Indian rice ban, uh, the, the exports have been fairly consistent. So there is, you know, rice has been rallying all this time. Um, I know it doesn't get a whole lot of attention, but uh, there's no reason to still, let me put it this way. It still looks like a bullish market. If you want some, it's too small to talk about on a podcast this large. If you have, if you have any questions about rice, contact me directly. Um, okay. Let's get into corn and soybeans and, um, and wheat here, just from the USDA perspective. Corn, stocks went up a little bit. Global stocks were were okay. There was no huge surprises there. There's a pretty, it was a very neutral port report. I you could have made the argument you would see some short covering because the funds have been so short and you know it kind of like a sell the rumor buy the fact deal, and we haven't. That's a little concerning for corn. I was kind of hoping for a little bit of a bounce today. We'll see if the front month holds 430. You really do want to see that. And we want to see new crop hold 470. If it's not, it's kind of the slow bleed lower. It's got to discourage. I mean, we've got to this. The market is going to try to discourage corn planting as the farther it goes down or at the same time stimulate demand. When the prices fall like this, like what we're seeing right now in the grain markets, the function of the market is to do two things, lower old crop enough to stimulate demand and lower new crop enough to start uh, having farmers avoid planting acres. And that's not going to, and you know, it's not going to be Illinois and Iowa that's going to plant less corn acres, but the farther you get away from the heart of the Midwest and the corn belt, that's where the acres in the, you know, in the margins start to come off. And we'll just have to see. Um, how that happens, but that's what's going on right now. And um, yeah, we got to get acres down sub 90 for corn to stabilize here. And last year we were at 94. Some of the recent surveys have been 92. You want corn numbers to stabilize? We got to get sub 90 corn on the acres. And I don't know, maybe 450 Dece does that, right? And four and 420, 415 old crop. Could very well do that. So it's at some point the funds have to cover. At some point we have to come out here. Uh, it's it's felt like endless selling. And listen, I've been talking about bear spreads on the new crop and using the carry, in you know for your advantage in new crop. Um, if you're a buyer, you know prices are low and you kind of got to just make sure that, yeah, you know, we're in. I mean over the 
know, we're basically in a value range now if you're on the buy side. But uh, there's no reason for the corn market to break out higher or lower at the moment. Um, we are in a bearish period here, um, just in terms of uh, you know the technical action. But seasonally, it does start to turn bullish, especially as the closer we get to that March 31st planting intentions report, which isn't that far away. And we do have the ag form coming up next week. We're going to get the first look at supply and demand. So um, probably have to start positioning ourselves for that ag form report. I think it's going to be bigger than bigger deal than people think right now. Um, for the soybean mar market and canola, soybeans need to hold this uh, 1180 area. See what you know. Canola is going to be most likely a follower, um, and if we can't hold 1180, also let me back up there. Ending stocks went up to 315. We basically lost 30 to 35 million on the exports. Were lowered, and it just went straight into bumping up ending stocks. Also, I think the trade was looking for a 2 million metric ton decline in soybean stocks. We ended up getting a 2 million increase, which really shows the weak demand that's going on in globally in the world, especially, and also with China. Uh, you know, Chinese demand's gonna be lower. China has a aging population. China has a decreasing aging population. And they're experiencing deflation and they're having a pretty tough time of it right now in the, uh, they're having a pretty tough time of it right now in their real estate market and so much of, you know, Personal capital is tied up in real estate, which is true here in the United States. I mean, China's no different now. I mean, a lot of people, you know, especially across the middle class, like you take, you know, you've been living in your house for 30 years. There's a ton of value in your house um, compared to other investments you may have. And that's, you know, they can look at the reports and stats for that here. And that's no different uh, in China. So uh, it is, it is interesting to see what's going to happen there. In the short term, it would have been nice to see some more support or some more short covering. We've been great to see some more short covering and um, and we didn't get that. So that was a little bit disappointing, I would say, but we'll see, we'll see what happens here. Um, all right, let's also take a look at the wheat market. So we have wheat here. I don't know. I mean, I was surprised we were down so much, but we're gonna be tight. We're gonna most likely be tight in Minneapolis and Chicago. Wheat market didn't have a whole lot of change in the um, in the carryouts, so we'll see how things get set up, you know, going forward. But there is tightness in wheat. There's no doubt about it. I do think flaxseed prices are low, so it's hard for the it's hard for wheat to really rally if the export prices are low. But um, and also with corn and soybeans coming down, it kind of drags wheat down with it. But Fundamentally, on the balance sheets, it does suggest uh, wheat's more of the, the stronger player here over the corn and the soybean market. So whether you are a bull or a bear, you're a producer or a user, I think the main theme here is corn's leaking lower. You never know when you can start to get a, a pullback um, or short covering. And... The thing is, the risk is if prices get low enough, what you could end up having here is some old crop demand 
and maybe lower new crop acres. That's the risk to the upside, right? And then any kind of weather issues we have this summer. Doesn't take a ton. If we get sub 90 on the corn acres, it doesn't take a ton of issues this summer to get corn moving up again. If we're at 93, 94 million acres, you know, 92 when that report comes out, um, that'll be different. Um, that will be a lot different in terms of uh, you know, pr price potential. Soybeans have a huge range. We could be $10 this time next year, uh, but if we only have 85, 84 million acres, then all of a sudden $13 is in the cards again on soybeans. Soybeans can, I can make an argument for $4 range just depending on if we're anywhere between let's say 84, 85 million acres on the low side and 86, 87 million acres on the high side, maybe even 88. So that's a very interesting market going forward. Wheat's going to be tight, but we need, and we're not getting the acres that we need. Though some of the recent farmer surveys have been talking about acres, uh, wheat acres, two million lower in the first spring wheat. Um, we're going to lose acres on the winter wheat for both Chicago and Kansas City, or at least that's what the USDA said in the winter seedings report, right? So here we are. We have a tight global market, a tight export market. And we're not getting acres coming back. And that's a potential issue. So there's still a lot of risk in these markets. Um, I wouldn't get lulled to sleep on the way some of these have been moving. But definitely the, the trend is bearish. Um, and I think the big, the big concern here is, is the soybean, soybean market at the moment. So if you have any questions, feel free to contact me. My number again is 312-706-7610. You can also email me at craig.turner at stonex.com. And if, uh, you know, if you, you can also follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle now is at corn, wheat, soy, and all that information is in the show notes. So thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you soon. This material is conveyed as a solicitation for entering into a derivatives transaction. This material has been prepared by a Daniel Trading Broker who provides research market commentary and trade recommendations as part of his or her solicitation for accounts and solicitation for trades. Daniel's Trading, its principals, brokers, and employees may trade in derivatives for their own accounts or for the accounts of others. Due to various factors such as risk tolerance, margin requirements, trading objectives, short-term versus long-term strategies, technical versus fundamental market analysis, and other factors, such trading may result in the initiation or liquidation of positions that are different from or contrary to the opinions and recommendations contained therein. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future performance. The risk of loss in trading futures contracts or commodity options can be substantial, and therefore, investors should understand the risks involved in taking leveraged positions and must assume responsibility for the risks associated with such investments and for their results. You should carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for you in light of your circumstances and financial resources. You should read the risk disclosure accessed at www www.danielstrading.com Daniel's Trading is not affiliated with nor does it endorse any trading system, newsletter, or similar service. Daniel's Trading does not guarantee or verify any performance claims made by such systems or services.